Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, July the 27th, 2023. It is currently 1022 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I know it's kind of a late night, but hey, well, it's kind of late for a broadcast. I mean, it's not really that late. It's 1023. That's really not that late. But I guess for broadcasting, it feels late. It's an evening broadcast. What do we call? Do we call it a late night broadcast? Is, is that the, is that, is that a, is that a good designation? Is 1023 PM a late night broadcast? Inquiring minds want to know. Let's put it to, a test, right? You you can let me know. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. It's 1023 p.m. a late night broadcast. I, I I don't I don't know if it is, but whether it's late night, whether it's early evening, however you want to classify it, it is a nighttime devotional message is what I want to accomplish in the next however long it takes me. Here's how my evening has gone. I decided that I needed a late night swim. So I took a late night swim under the moon. It was nice, somewhat relaxing. I got out and then I ended up finding myself here in the studio. I looked down and sitting open on the desk was the book that a listener sent to me. God grant it. The Daily Devotionals from C.F.W. Walther. God grant it. Daily Devotionals from C.F.W. Walther. He's, we've been using his book for our study on law and gospel. And someone sent me this a beautiful book, beautiful book, hardbound. And I had it open, right? And now the, this book, it's broken down into the, the kind of like the, the church calendar. If you're familiar with the church calendar, where the year is broken down into different seasons, the same thing happens within Lutheranism, Catholicism, anyone who uses kind of a liturgical calendar. And I just happen to have it open to the third week in Lent. Now, I know this is not the correct timing for the, because the church year is not, you know, the church who follows the liturgical calendar is not currently in Lent, but I just had it open to Monday of the third week in Lent. And the text is Luke chapter 11, verses 27 through 28. So I looked down and I thought, hmm, you know what? I I need to do something of a spiritual nature tonight. I need to get my focus on, on God and the things of God. That's what I need tonight. So... If I'm going to spend a little time here in the studio doing, spending a little bit of time in maybe a devotional thought, a devotional reading, a devotional study of any kind, then I'll just turn on the microphone and share it with everyone. So I don't know, I don't know what you're doing at this, this evening, late night. We haven't made a decision yet. I don't know what you're doing. I don't even know what time it may be. I don't even know how you're doing. I don't know if you, a good day, bad day. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I know that no matter what time it is or how you're doing, it's always important for us to turn our attention to the things of God. So let's do that. Let's see what C.F.W. Walther had to say in regards to Luke 11, 27 through 28. Now, what caught my attention, now I haven't read anything yet. Remember, I love to do things in real time. I haven't really read anything yet, but I did do this. 
I, I read like the first sentence of the devotional and then I kind of stopped and then I looked at the passage of scripture and then I was like, huh? Huh? Where is this going? So you, you, you see if you can follow along. You ready? Okay, so let's read the scripture first. Then we'll read the first sentence of the devotional and tell me if there's a little bit of you that kind of goes, what? Where is this going? All right, so here is the passage. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse 27. Here we go. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And it came to pass as he spake these things, the he there is speaking of Jesus. So the, 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 the verses before are the words of Jesus having, uh, well, talking about a number of different things. We could go through all of them. All right. But as he, as it came to pass, as he spake these things, so Jesus is speaking all of these things. A certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. Now, he's, he's kind of in the middle of, of teaching, if you look at it, right? I mean, if you, if you go down to verse, uh, if, you, if you look at Luke 11, you've kind of look here of everything that's going on. Um, yeah, if you look at eleven uh, Luke eleven fourteen, and it, and he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered, but some of them said he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils, and others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven, but he said, uh, he knowing their thoughts said unto them. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house uh, divided against a, a, a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? So he, because of this miracle, because of them attributing this miracle possibly to the power basically of Satan, he begins to teach and try to correct this. And then all of a sudden in the middle of this teaching, in the middle of trying to make these very important theological points... A woman of the company just lifts up her voice in the middle of the sermon and said, and I, I'm going to say, it says lifted up her voice. So I'm going to say, I, I don't want to read anything into the text, but I think it would be fair that the text seems to have been implying she raised her voice and she, so he's teaching. And then all of a sudden this woman raises her voice and says, blessed is the womb that bear thee and the paps, which thou hast sucked. Now, I don't know if you, like, how should we read that? Do we read that as, why is she interrupting? Or do we see that as, wow. Now, is she saying that because that she is almost in a sense offering praise to Jesus by saying, because of this great teaching, because of who he is, she sees the greatness of Jesus. She sees Maybe that his teaching is a gift, his words are a gift, his miracle power is a gift. Maybe she's so overcome with him that she's, she just cannot contain herself. And she says, blessed is the womb that bear thee. In other words, hey, the woman who brought this person into existence, bless her because what a great gift she has given to us. It, 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 do we see it as a, as a positive thing? I think I think we would see it as a positive thing. 
But then Jesus says to her, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. All right. So this woman is like, hey, blessed be the woman who basically gave you birth, who nursed you, who raised you because you, you know, and I think it's, it's focusing on, you know, Jesus. Hey, because of your wonderful teaching, your wonderful miracles, everything about you is so wonderful. Blessed is your mother who brought you in because you are such a gift. I think she means it as a very good thing. But then Jesus basically, I I mean, I'm not going to say he's dismissive, but he's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's where blessing comes. Hearing God's word and keeping God's word is the key to blessing. Now, that that could raise a lot of questions right there, right? If the key to blessing in your life is keeping God's word, are you ever going to be blessed? Because are you ever going to truly keep it? Now, if we go back to what we've been talking about, our law and gospel distinction, is that law or is that gospel? That seems to be blessing if you do something. And what is being asked that you have to do in order to be blessed? Would you ever be blessed? Would you ever be blessed? Because to keep God's word would mean, I mean, you have to keep it perfectly, right? Or are you saying that, well, any level of keeping it is sufficient to get the blessing. In other words, you don't have to actually keep it. You just have to keep it in part. But what what does it mean to keep it in part? Like, how do you understand that? I see that as law. Hey, if you want God's blessing, you have to keep his word. Well, I'm going to be like, oh my I'm finished, you know, oh me, I'm done because I'm never going to get the blessing because I never keep it. And even if I'm keeping it for today, I may not be keeping it tomorrow. And even if I'm keeping it externally, I'm probably not keeping it internally. Now, I would say blessed, I would say it is absolutely true. Blessed uh, are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And there's one who that is blessed. It's Jesus Christ. And he did keep it. And in him, I have all spiritual blessings. So there's a lot of different ways we could approach Luke 11 verses 27 through 28. A lot of different things we could say we could talk about. We could try to process it. But how did C.F.W. Walther handle it? And the book God Granted. Now you may think because he's the, you know, the go-to person on the proper distinction between law and gospel. He's the, you know, the original one in a sense. I know he's not the original. You would have Luther, Melanchthon. You would have people before Walther. But Walther is the one everyone always talks about and goes to. How do you think he's going to handle this text? Do you think he's going to get into this very important discussion about law and gospel? What do you think he's going to do? Where do you think this is going to go? If you were to sit down and write a devotional, on Luke 11, 27 through 28, what would you write? Like I, like if we were in a class right now, I'd be like, you know what, guys? I want you to write a devotional on Luke 11, 27 through 28. Go. And then come back into the set. You can go to the classrooms in the church. You can go to the library, the hallway. You can go outside. Go, and you can talk. You can, you can work together. Come back when you're done. And then everybody'd come back into the sanctuary and like, let's see your devotions. Would anyone start their devotional this way. Are you ready? 
Remember, this devotional is on Luke 11, 27 through 28. I read, and I quote, C.F.W. Walther in the book, God Granted. And I'm so grateful and thankful for the person who sent this to me. Super, very, I, I can't even... I'm, I'm just, I'm, I was blown away. So I'm, so I'm so grateful. But here we go. If a person is to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil, three things are necessary. Let's stop right here. As soon as I read that sentence, I was like, I wonder if, if Luke 11, 27 through 28 is a misprint. Doesn't that seem crazy to you? Like, like, what do you do? Like, if a person is to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil, three things are necessary. And that's the first sentence and a devotional on Luke 11, 27 through 28. I'm perplexed. However, I'm interested. Okay. I'm intrigued. I'm perplexed. But I'm like, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat going, okay, CFW Walther, you got to help me out here because I don't know how I'm going to find three things that are necessary for me to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil in Luke eleven twenty seven through 28, right? And then if there is one I could possibly see, but then that could be possibly problematic because if you go the direction I fear you may go, then nobody could be rescued because no one can do it. But, 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 but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I, so let's do this. Let's do this this evening, right? Or late night, whatever time. Again, I, I know I always... I always speak as if there's people present, there's people in front of me, because I always, I always speak as if people are participating, not just, just, you know, passively doing whatever. But if you're actively listening, I would challenge you to do this. Grab a piece of paper real quick. If you were to write down three things a person must do, or three things that are necessary, let me, let me state it the correct way. If you were to write down the three things that are necessary for a person to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil, what three things would you write down? Hey, this person wants to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil. What are three things that are necessary? Would you say there's three things? Would you say there's one thing? Would you say there's two things? Or would you say there's four things? What is necessary for a person to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil? CFW Walther is saying three things are necessary. Now, I'm just going to sit here because what, what I'm hoping is I, if I was, I want you to be like, tell me, what are the three things? But I have to wait to kind of, you know, build up the suspense, right? We got to build up the suspense. Tune in next week and we will. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make you wait a week. Here we go. If a person is to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil, Three things are necessary. First, he must understand. He, okay, let me read this again. First, he must understand that he stands under the authority of darkness. Now, I don't know. He obviously, he's not getting that from Luke 11, 27 through 28. So this is, 
bizarre to me. This is like, how, how did they put this devotional together, right? I, I don't know. That's a weird scripture for this. Is the scripture even related to the devotional? But okay. So the first thing you have to do, if you want to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness, you have to first be brought to an understanding that you are standing, as it says, that you are standing under the authority of darkness. In other words, you have to be able to see and acknowledge Man, I'm in the kingdom of darkness. I'm under the kingdom kingdom of the devil. I'm in the kingdom of Satan. I, 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 you have to first see the, where you are. Okay. Second, from his heart, he must be terrified by this and filled with an inner longing to be removed from this terrible and shameful power. All right, so first he has to see it, and then second he has to be basically broken, terrified, because he realizes where he's at. He realizes, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm under the authority of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of the devil. I am horrified by this. I am terrified by this. I want to be removed from it, or the words they say, he's filled with an inner longing to be removed from it. So he's filled with this, I want out of this. I need out of this. How do I get out of this? So first you realize it. Second, you're filled with terror and an inner desire to be removed from it. And then CFW Walther says, finally, this is number three, Satan must give up the right to accuse him before God and the power to rule over him. I don't know if these were the three things I would put down. I got no problem saying a person has to realize the condition, be terrified about about said condition, have an inner longing to do so. But then he says the third thing is Satan must give up the right to accuse him before God and the power to rule over him. I guess the real question is, how does number three come to pass? What's going to cause Satan to say, hey, hey, I'm no longer going to accuse him. And I... uh. And I, and I know, and I'm going to give up my power to rule over him. Something would have to cause that to happen, right? So I don't know. I don't know if we say that this is this the third thing that must be required for a person to be rescued from the kingdom of the devil. I don't know that. I like this. This is an interesting way CFW Walter is approaching this subject. I got no problem saying that at some point Satan will have to give up his right to accuse him before God and the power to rule over him. But something dramatically is going to have to happen. Let's read the next paragraph. A person is no more able to rescue himself in this way than someone can awaken himself from death. Now, I do agree that no one can... Uh, remove themselves from the kingdom of darkness. No one can remove themselves from the kingdom of Satan. No one. Everyone is incapable, just like no one can awaken themselves from death. I, we're in a complete agreement with that. Okay, we're in a cre- uh, complete agreement with that. The first hindrance is that by his own mind, an individual is unable to recognize his true condition. Okay, so the first problem is, hey, the first thing you need is to be able to recognize your condition, but your mind is unable to recognize your condition. Now, I think... 
there's a, a, a spiritual principle here, right? I think there's a spiritual principle here. There's a spiritual principle here. I agree that when a person is in the kingdom of darkness, they are lost, right? They're in the kingdom of darkness. They can't recognize their condition on their own. They're blinded to it because of their depravity. But I think that this problem persists even after a person is delivered from the kingdom of darkness and is a Christian because there, our depravity, our, the sin still remains in us. I don't think we're ever truly g- good at seeing our own condition. That's why we must constantly be filling our mind and memorizing scripture and reading scripture so that we're constantly confronted with something, God's word, God's character, that will help us see and be confronted with the reality of our condition. Like we, we will never see our condition apart from God's word. And in fact, I can, I, I'll, I'll go a step further. And I know I'm quoting Calvin again. I always quote this from Calvin's Institutes. To me, it's a principle that I've, I try to share as much as I can in my preaching. You will never truly see your condition. You will never see yourself as you truly are until you see God as he truly is. Until you see God high and lifted up, until you see him as he truly is, you will never see yourself as you truly are. Because what we do is we constantly compare ourselves to other people, to other things, to the world, to other Christians, to people in our family. As long as you compare yourself to other people, you'll never see yourself as you truly are. You won't. You've got to see. But when you see God as he truly is, Oh, then you are crushed. You are, you are destroyed. You are, woe is me. I am undone. Look at Isaiah six. When he saw God as he truly is, then Isaiah saw himself as he truly is. So we have to realize we have a, a built in blindness. This is true. Loss. It's even true. Saved. That's why we constantly need God's word. But, but the, by his own mind, and an individual is unable to recognize his true condition. Everyone by nature is completely blind to all spiritual things. No one can sense the natural enmity of his heart against God. A person cannot see, they cannot feel, they cannot recognize that their heart is at enmity against God, that they are, that their heart is against God. They would say, no, 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 I don't have a problem with God, but our heart naturally is. And you can't recognize that. You cannot see that. And even as a Christian, sometimes you cannot truly see your spiritual condition unless you're constantly bringing in God's word, especially as a lost person, they cannot. Moreover, Satan deludes him into thinking that either there is no kingdom of the devil or that he has no part of it. The most deluded people are those who manifest coarse unbelief and open sins. But those who are neutral, uh, hang on, let me read this again. Um, So Satan deludes him into thinking that either there is no kingdom of the devil or that he has no part of it. The most deluded people, now this is very important, listen to this carefully. Okay, listen to this carefully because I misread it. The most deluded people are not those who manifest coarse unbelief and open sins, but it is those who are neutral, who do not openly reject Christ, but fail to give him their hearts completely. 
Now, it's interesting. We would think the most deluded people are the people who are coarse and open sins and just out there. No, no, no. It's the people who tend to be more neutral, who do not openly reject Christ, but they fail to give him their hearts completely. Now, let me make it very clear. We never can give God our hearts completely. So I don't know what Walther means by that. Okay, are you saying in salvation? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have to. We, we would need some work on that one, all right? But let's let's continue. He says a second hindrance is that because a person because a person's heart by nature loves sin and the things of the world, he does not entirely wish to be rescued out of his disgrace, disgraceful slavery, even loving the claims that bind, even loving the chains that bind him. That's true. By nature, your heart loves sin. That is true before you're saved. That is true after you're saved. Your heart naturally loves sin. It loves the things of this world. Are you ready for this? This is very important. Our heart does not entirely wish to be rescued out of, uh, out of this slavery. We even love the chains that bind us. There's a little bit of truth to that. We, we even love the chains that bind us because we don't truly want to be rescued. A third hindrance is that a person does not forgive himself his sins, and he therefore cannot protect himself against the devil's accusation. He cannot sever the cord by which Satan binds him in sin and cannot change his heart. Thus, he cannot free himself from the dominion of Satan. Now, this is interesting, that in a sense, we maintain if we cannot forgive ourselves, we keep ourselves somehow locked to the dominion of Satan. We have to forgive ourselves. That's interesting. Like uh, a heart that cannot forgive itself will be a heart constantly bound by Satan. That's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting concept right there. We could spend some time with that, but let's see where else CFW Walther goes. Where is deliverance to be found? Okay, now here's the good news. All right, okay, so he says three things are necessary, right? Remember those three things? We have to understand that we stand under the authority of darkness. We have to, our heart must be terrified by this and filled with an inner longing to be removed from this terrible, shameful power. And then Satan must give up the right to accuse him before God and the power to rule over him. Again, three. I don't know if I would have gone this direction, all right? But now... And he talks about the hindrances that can stop those things from happening. Okay. Now, how are we delivered? Where is this deliverance found? All right. I'm very interested in this. Here's what CFW, CFW Walther has to say. Where is deliverance to be found? By no creature, but only by Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Redeemer of the world. Christ himself says, if the Son sets you free... You will be free indeed. Now, a lot of people think that freedom involves more freedom than I think it has. Some people teach that, that, hey, if you are set free, you're free indeed, meaning you're free literally basically to, to never sin again. You, you now are free to obey God and you're free not to sin. I think the first sermon I ever preached, first official sermon I ever preached, I was still a teenager, was on that passage. And I think I preached it that, 
before I was saved, I was in bondage and I was in chains and I could not stop sinning. But now I've been set free. I'm free. And now I can serve God and praise God. And I try to convince myself that, hey, I no longer have to basically no longer have to sin. And well, I kept sinning and sinning and sinning and I still sin. So this freedom is, I think we're free. To, we're free for, I know Christians always say we're free from the penalty of sin, but we're free from the power of sin, which then seems to imply that now everyone, if you're free from the power of sin, then sinless perfection should be the logical conclusion. But clearly that doesn't happen. So in what ways we're free from condemnation, right? All right. They go on to say, Satan is strong, or they, CF, CFW Walter goes on to say, Satan is strong, fully armed, and guards his palace with great power and considerable cunning. Nevertheless, Christ is, as he says, the stronger one. And when he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor, which he trusted, and divides his spoil. However, Christ compels no one by an irresistible grace and he doesn't retrieve anyone from Satan's kingdom by outward power. Rather, he says, blessed, rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, this is interesting. He, now, he says he does not compel anyone by an irresistible grace. Now, we this gets into a whole issue. For those who are not Calvinistic, you're going to be like, absolutely. God doesn't do it by an irresistible grace. Well, if he doesn't bring, if he's not the one giving grace to those whom he has chosen and then bringing them to him, then you're saying the person can do it in and of themselves. Then they would not have a sinful nature. You let, you end up with all kinds of problems here, Right. Either God is the one who does it or man has the ability to do it. And if man has the ability to do it, then man, by logic, would have the ability to keep God's law perfectly, even without salvation, because they are completely free. They can, they can respond to God or not respond to God. They can obey God's commands or not because they have the freedom to do so. Well, that, that's majorly problematic. That makes salvation a work of man, not a work of God. So let me read this whole thing again. All right. Again, CFW Walther. However, Christ compels no one by an irresistible grace, and he doesn't retrieve anyone from Satan's kingdom by outward power. Rather, he says, blessed, he says, blessed rather of those who hear the word of God and keep it, Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Now, this is somewhat concerning. Are you saying the way the person is retrieved from the power of darkness is by people who hear the word of God and keep it? This would make them retrieving themselves from the kingdom of darkness by their obedience to God's word. Let's see if he offers any explanation here. He goes on to say, this shows that the means he uses to rescue souls out of Satan's kingdom is the word of God for alone by this is the finger of God, the Holy Ghost, inseparably bound. A person must then hear and keep the word of God. What? Okay. <laughs> what is happening here? 
See, if you think about this, like, wait, wait a minute. So a person cannot be removed from the kingdom of darkness until he hears the word of God and keeps it. In fact, let me read it again. It's stated in a dogmatic way. In fact, it's stated in a way which we would refer to as law. A person then, uh, okay, um, a person must then hear and keep the word of God. If a person does this, the Holy Ghost omnipotently pulls him with the the divine power out of the devil's cords. Hey, hey, God will omnipotently pull you out of the devil's cord, but you must hear and obey God's word. Well, do you must, do you must hear all of it or only some of it? Are you only supposed to obey what you hear? And is that perfect obedience or partial obedience? Because if you, to be extracted from, from the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, if it relies on your obedience to God's word, you'll never be fully extracted from the kingdom of darkness because you'll never be perfectly obedient. And this is, this is very law-based and it's shocking that it would be so law-based since it's coming from CFW Walther. But once again, it just demonstrates that we cannot help ourselves by looking at these things from a very law-based perspective. Let's see what else he goes. Let's see if he's going to offer the gospel anywhere, some hope here. All right. And isn't it weird that if, a, if you do your part, then the Holy Ghost will omnipotently Pull him with divine power out of the devil's cords. See, the God's omnipotent power awaits you, but you have to do your part. But the part you're telling me to do is obey God's word, which would seem to imply that you think I can. And if you think I can obey God's word, then we don't even need anything. All we have to do is obey God's word and sinless perfection would be possible. Clearly, we can't obey it because we can't do it perfectly. This is so odd the way this is written. Let's see what else he goes here. The Holy Ghost first convinces the person that until then he has stood under the authority of darkness. He then works in him a holy horror over it and a deep longing to be rescued from it. He allures him to faith in Jesus Christ and brings him to the forgiveness of sins and finally fills him with the power to hate all the devil's works, even the subtlest of sins. Now, see, now he's saying God is the one doing this in you. But he said God doesn't do this by an irresistible grace. And he already said what we must do. So God's not going to give you faith until you hear it and obey it. The way this is written is so confounding. It's so confounding. God has to do all of it. He, I, he is the one doing it all, but he has to give faith. He doesn't give me faith based off my obedience. He has to give me faith, period. It's that simple. All right. Um, so let's see here. This allows him to break off obedience to the devil completely. Now, see now, look, see now, don't you see what just happened? Now, see, if you'll, if you will hear the word of God and obey the word of God, then, then the Holy Spirit by his omnipotent power, then is going to basically bring you to the forgiveness of sins, fill him with power to hate all the devil's work, even the subtlest of sins. And then look what CFW Walter says. This will then allow you to break off obedience to the devil completely and eternally. 
wait, wait. Now you can just completely stop obeying the devil. That would seem to be sinless perfection. So you will be able to obe- uh, you will break off obedience to the devil completely and eternally to fight victoriously against him and to walk with a new heart and a new life. Now this seems to once again to seem to imply that well if I got a new heart then that means the old heart is gone meaning the old nature is eradicated meaning therefore I can be perfect. And where did any of this come from, Luke 11, 27 through 28? Where did any of this come from? Oh, I'm baffled by this one. This is one of those devotionals that I am totally, completely baffled by. But I am am definitely intrigued. Let's see what he does here. The word of God is preached to many thousands who remain under the authority of darkness Because they wantonly resist the Holy Ghost. However, there are always some who let themselves be rescued by the word, like the woman in our text. When she heard all that Christ said, she was moved by the Holy Ghost and full of divine courage. In the midst of the furious, bloodthirsty enemies of Christ, she cried out, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. These words show how weak she still was in understanding. Therefore, Christ corrected her with the words, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And that's the devotional. That devotional is found on page 280, 281, and 282 of the book, God Granted, by C.F.W. Walther. I'm baffled beyond with the, everything in me. I am baffled by that. One, because it's C.F.W. Walther. He's the go-to guy on law and gospel. But that, that's, where's the gospel in that? Now, now, he wants to say it's all good news because God is the one who does all of this, but he seemed to imply God will, the Holy Spirit's omnipotent power is waiting on you, but you have to hear it and obey it. Now, what are, what are you saying I'm obeying? Are you saying I'm obeying the call of faith? Well, if you're going to say I'm the one obeying the call of faith, well, then you're saying that I have the ability to believe so sinful nature doesn't impact me. And then faith then is not a gift from God. Or I have to do, because if faith, if faith is given to me because of my obedience, like I get faith because I obey the command to believe. And so then for, well, if, if I'm the one, if God just says commands you to believe and you believe, then faith is not a gift from God. Faith is something you're just generating in and of yourself, making then salvation a based on your obedience to the command to believe. Either you're saved by your obedience to the command to repent and believe, meaning you're saved by works, or when God calls you to repent and believe, he has to grant the repentance and the belief, which I believe the change of mind and the believing is a work of God given to those whom he has chosen before the foundations of the world at a specific time. How are we rescued from the kingdom of darkness? 
how are we rescued from the kingdom of darkness? I don't know what Luke 11, 27 through 28, I don't even know why that would be the text you would choose. I'm thinking of a text. See if I can find it. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 12. Colossians 1, 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Who did this? God has done this. God is the one who's done this work. How does he accomplish this? Transferring us, translating us from the, or, or delivering us from the power of darkness and translating us into the kingdom of his son. It is through the work of his son in whom, speaking of his Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It is through the work of Christ. There are not steps to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness in Christ. Faith, faith, when when God saves us, he gives us the change of mind. He gives us the faith. And in so doing, we are transferred. We are delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of light. And we now belong to him. We are now made a son of God by adoption. But it's all done by the work of God. I don't know what that devotion has anything to do with a Luke 11, 27 through 28. I have no idea. I have no idea. That That is a fascinating devotional. I know I spent 41 minutes on this. It was supposed to be a short devotional, but yeah, yeah there you go. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that tonight. I don't know what to do with that tonight. There you have. A late night devotional thought. I don't, I don't know what to. I, the good thing is now my mind is definitely preoccupied on that. I don't know what to do with that. I, I'll go back to Luke eleven. Verse twenty seven, and it came to pass. As he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps or the breast which thou hast nursed or as the King James sucked. But Jesus said, rather, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. There is blessing from keeping God's word. I will never be, I will never deny that. There's always blessing in pursuing and keeping God's word. But just remember, any any approach of trying to keep it, we, we should try to keep it. Just know that in any area where you think you're keeping it, there, there's there's not keeping it attached and present because God to keep God's word, you'd have to keep it internally, externally. You'd have to keep it perfectly, uh, personally, entirely, exactly, perpetually, and you're you're going to fall short. So if blessing comes from keeping it, woe is me because in me, I don't keep it. 
So where is my hope? And the one who did keep it in Christ. And then in Christ, I do keep it positionally. Practically, I still should strive for it. There's lots of those passages where the blessing is a conditional blessing. Blessed is the man who does, you know, blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night. Well, give me a break. Who's going to be blessed? You can try to come up with every gimmick in the world to say that you are meditating on God's word day and night. And I'm telling you, you're going to fall short. Even the Beatitudes, many of those Beatitudes, you never get those. You're going to fall short, fall short. So who is the blessed one in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes? It's Christ, the one who preached it. He's the one who did all of those things. And in him, I have all spiritual blessings. I see that passage as law. I have no idea what CFW Walther would. I don't understand. I don't know if it's because of the people who compiled this. I don't know. It's just crazy. All right. Love to get your thoughts on all of it. Just another, hey, this is my late night devotional. Remember, it's not a pre, uh, it's not a rehearsed, pre-planned devotional time. It's real-time devotional. Me sitting in my study, my studio, saying, hey, I'm just going to turn on the microphone and do this in real time. Hopefully you got something from it. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And, um, well, let's put our focus on, on the things of God. That's the only thing uncertain in life and the only thing we can cling to. Um, sometimes the theological speculations of man, a little confusing, The truth of God remains true and unchanging. Find peace in that. And remember, find peace in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And by faith in Christ, you are translated from the kingdom of darkness. And now you're in the kingdom of light. You're in the kingdom of his dear son. And that happened because God did the work for you. So go to bed tonight knowing you're not under the kingdom of darkness. You go to bed tonight. Rest that you're in the kingdom of light. Your salvation is secure. And if you were to pass away this evening by faith in Christ, you would immediately awaken in the presence of your Savior. Praise God for that tonight. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.